I'm sure at one time or another that all of us had to deal with rejection. Where there's a person who said, I no longer love you and I no longer want to be with you. To a coach who said we no longer have what it takes to be on a team. To an employer who says they no longer need our business. To a school that says we just don't qualify. All of us here have dealt with rejection. I don't need your services anymore. I don't want to be in this relationship anymore. You are no longer welcome in this position. Rejection hurts. Rejection is about who and what we are and that somebody else doesn't need it. Probably a little more painful from rejection on a personal level is where and when religion or God rejects us. That is a totally different, very painful sort of rejection. But that's what he heard. What he heard was that he was too sinful for God to allow him into his presence, and he was rejected. The religious leaders told him, go away, God doesn't want you, and God doesn't need you. He's a small man, physically that of stature, but he had a much wider view of reality, and he heard of someone who might not reject him, but maybe there was a religious person a religious prophet, a religious gifted individual who might accept him into God's kingdom. And even though he's a very proper, well-dressed man, out of his style, he climbed up a tree so that he might see him. Now, you know who I speak of. Who am I talking of? Zacchaeus was a wee little man, climbed upon the sycamore tree. And Jesus came, and Jesus knew who he was, and Jesus says, Come down, I'm going to your house today. And then when Jesus met with Zacchaeus, you know the story, he repented and he paid back people what he owed. But this is what Jesus said to him. Salvation has come to your house, for the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. And the church grew by one. The church grew. Zacchaeus was rejected by religion, but brought to God's kingdom by the grace of Christ, and the church grew. Being here for three months, some people have asked me, Pastor, since the last time you've been here, how has defiance changed? Now, those of you who don't know, I was a teacher here from 85 to 88. So what's changed about Peoria? I get asked that question a couple times. Well, let me show you some pictures. Well, there's the old school and the new what? That's changed. Businesses have changed. I didn't live back then, okay? All right? right. That's not me, okay? I'm not sure this is me either. But, yeah, you know, there's some businesses have changed. I think maybe downtown Peoria is maybe not as thriving, not as uh, uh, bustling as it once was. And there's some stuff on the north side of town I never thought it'd be there. What? Menards, Lowe's, and Buffalo Wild Wing and things like that. That's changed. What else has changed? Well, you know, you fixed up somewhat. Um, uh, Fort Defiance, I mean, there's some stuff to see there compared when I used to bring my school kids down there. It's pretty cool. I'd like to see a fort one day. I'm not sure it's going to happen. And that's changed a little bit. Uh, of course, uh, that was the only hospital in town when I was here, correct? Remember that? And now today there's what? And there's also Prometica. That's changed. So Defiance has changed in that way. And then, of course, the county courthouse has changed, hasn't it? Right? Fix that thing up very nice. That's changed. There's been some improvements in the downtown area, and finally, bridges, right? Now, you know that one and that one. And by the way, my first day here was the day they did what? Ah, <laughs> oh, thanks, Pastor. Thanks a lot. 
So those are just a few of the things that have changed since I've been here. But you know what the biggest change has been? Do you know where I see the biggest change since I've been here last? It was right here in God's house. No, specifically the sanctuary. Because while it's been beautifully remodeled, it looks wonderful, the biggest change is here because since the last time I was here, the pews are emptier. And the pews aren't as filled as they were when I sat in here as a bachelor and then married to my lovely wife. The pews aren't as filled, the pews are emptier, and there's a whole lot more gray. No offense. And you and I look a little different. Lighter on top, wider, never mind, okay? But no doubt, the biggest difference I've seen was right here. The church is emptier, the pews aren't as filled, and we tend to be a little bit more older. No offense. What's the largest growing religion in America? Don't answer it. What religion in America is growing the fastest? Don't answer it. What is the largest growing group when it comes to spirituality in America? And right now, some would say it's the largest spiritual group in America. Don't answer. Because it's not what you think. It's not Christianity. It's not Islam. It's not Judaism. But it's what we would call as nuns. Not N-U-N-S, you know, sisters who taught in school and smacked knuckles with rulers. Not those type of nuns, but nuns, N-O-N-E-S. It represents the largest, arguably the largest religious group in America, and they hold to no religious teachings. I don't get my kid baptized. I don't have my kid come to confirmation. I talk to pastors who lament that their children refuse to baptize his grandchildren. I talk to pastors whose children refuse to have their children, his grandchildren, come to church at all. Nuns have no religious affiliation, religious teachings, and no religious background to them, and they're not interested in religion at all, especially organized religion. It's not that nuns are atheists. It's not that nuns don't believe in God. They just don't see a purpose in religion at all. And it's the fastest growing religion in America. Faster growing than Christianity or Islam. Seven years ago, there sort of was like a written declaration of independence, or I could say a mission statement for nuns. It's an article. It hit the waves, went through Twitter, went through the social media, called... I hate religion, but I love, love Jesus. And the person explained probably what a lot of nuns hold in their heart. I hate religion. I hate religion. It's boring, it's stuffy, it's rules, it's laws, it's traditions. I don't understand. I go there and nobody says hi to me. I get ignored. And the only thing the church is after and people in religion are after is your what? Money. I hate religion. I hate everything about it. It's stuffy. It's judgmental. It's boring, it's rituals, I just hate it. But by the way, I love who? I love Jesus, because Jesus is kind and warm and tender-hearted, and he raises money for the poor, and he hangs out with losers and sinners. This is sort of the mission statement for nuns. I hate religion, but I love who? But I love Jesus. I think that's maybe why some of our pews are a little bit empty and maybe our church is a little bit older. And by the way, I'm not picking on St. John because this is across the board. 
It's just not Lutherans. It's everywhere. And before we say, well, hold on here, there's always, what's it, the experienced church? And what is it, the Christian, what's it, Christian, what's out there, out there? Yeah, Christian Center, yeah. 85 to 95% of those people are from other churches. Some from here. Fastest growing religion. But the reality is there will always be a church, but it might not be in your neighborhood. What do I mean by that? Well, go ahead. Take a look at the Western Hemisphere. That's the globe on your left. Christianity appears to be declining there. There's not many Christians as there used to be in the Western Hemisphere. So let me go ahead and ask you a couple questions. Are there more Lutherans in America or Ethiopia? Let me say it again. Are there more Lutherans today in America or Ethiopia? What's the correct, correct answer? Ethiopia. Are there more Anglicans in Western Africa or England? More Anglicans in Western Africa or in England? What's the answer? Western African. Are there more Presbyterians throughout the West or in South Korea? What's the answer? Yeah, the church appears to be somewhat shrinking in the West, but on your right is the globe of the East and the South, and the church is exploding there literally growing by leaps and bounds. And by the way, there are missionaries from Africa now in the United States. And there will be missionaries from Asia who will come to the United States. The church is exploding in the east and the south, and there are many church bodies that are interested in joining us, our brand of Lutheranism. They are searching us out because we stand for substance. There will always be a church. It just might not be where? In your neighborhood. It might be in our neighborhood. Because right now the church is exploding in Asia and Africa. Where our pews seem to be a little emptier. Being in church work my entire life, I've always heard this. We need to grow! I have not been in a church that said, We need to grow! And even during the call process and the interviews here, I've heard that. We need to grow. We need to grow, Pastor. We need to grow. Well, why do you need to grow? To fill up the pews that are empty? To fill up the school hallways that don't have the children that used to be there? Why do we need to grow? Because we're short on funds and we have a congregational assembly coming in another, I don't know, two, three weeks. Why do we need to grow? To get back to the glory days of 1962 and 1973 and 1989, why do we need to grow? Is it because that we want people to do what we don't want to do? Do we need people to do jobs that nobody else is doing? Why do we need to grow? We always hear that we need to grow. See, I say this. We don't need to grow. We get to grow. We don't need to grow the church. I'm not here because I need to grow the church. I'm here, we're here, because we get to grow the church. Well, what do I mean by that? Well, this Jesus says. The entire scripture is, who's going to grow his church? Christ will grow his church. What does Christ say? My word will not come back empty. Simply speak and it'll take root. Maybe not in the way that we would think. The gates of hell will never prevail against my church. The more you try to stomp out, the more a person tries to stomp out the church, the more it grows. The more a church gets persecuted, the more it spreads. My word is a spirit in life. I will grow my church. 
When the Son of Man is lifted up, he will draw who to himself? Everybody will be drawn to Jesus. Jesus will grow his church. Throw the seed. Throw the seed. Leave the growth to Jesus. And love God and love each other. And our work is never in vain. Who's going to grow the church? Who says he's going to grow the church? Jesus is his church. And Jesus says, I will grow my church. I don't need my church to grow. I will get it to grow. I will enable it to grow. I'll give it power to grow. We don't need to get the church to grow. We get to help. So Paul's story. Paul was called to be a missionary. That was his zeal. That was his passion. His goal was to spread the word to Gentiles, to those who never heard the message. Paul wasn't sent out because the church needed to grow. Paul was sent out because Paul got to help God and Christ grow the church. The church didn't need to grow. That's why Paul wasn't sent out. Paul was sent out because his passion was to be used by Christ to grow the church. And as God works, sometimes God held Paul up. And sometimes God sent Paul here. And sometimes God said, Paul, wait a week. And sometimes God said, Paul, go here. It's God who's directing Paul. Paul's simply a servant. Paul wasn't sent to grow the church. Paul was sent to spread the message of Jesus. Paul's story. And then there's Lydia's story. Well, who's Lydia? Well, she's a successful businesswoman. She fears God. She doesn't know the truth. And she meets with other believers to pray. And God worked it out so that Lydia would be there at the same time that Paul was there. God worked that out. And Paul opened his mouth and spread the message that Jesus died for the sins of the world, and her ears heard it. And she believed. That's how God grows the church. God arranges meetings for people who speak the word and people who are receptive to the word. And it's out of our control. And it's beyond us. It's mysterious and it's gracious and it's powerful and it's wonderful. That's their story. And by the way, their story is what? Our story. How is it that some guy 34 years showed up here as a single guy and is back in his pulpit? How is it that any of us are here? It's their story is our story. God arranged it at a certain time and place that we would hear the gospel and be receptive to the gospel. Their story is our story, and that's beyond us. That's God's gracious and mysterious and wonderful working. When I was at DCE, I arrived at a church, and I wanted to get the youth program and children's programs going. And so I started visiting members. And I remember I had an open night, and I opened up the church directory, and I just looked through it and found a family that I should go visit. Let me, I just, I must go visit them. So I called them up and said, are you available for a visit tomorrow night? They said, yeah. They said, I'll be out there at such and such a time. And I came out there, and there was a mom and dad and three teenagers, three children. They looked like they had been crying. Their eyes were a little bit red seemed a little bit tired. I'm not sure how they felt about me being there. They were glad that I was there. They seemed a little hesitant about the whole thing. And I looked at them and they said, yeah, we just got back from the cemetery. Our nine-year-old daughter died this day one year ago. and We let balloons out for her memory, okay? And we've been thinking that it's time for us to come back to church. 
And we also have some questions about God. That wasn't my doing, that was whose doing? God's doing. People who are receptive and someone who was willing to open their mouth and to share. Christ will grow his church. He will. He uses us at the right time to open up our mouths to those who at the right time are willing to what? Hear and listen. Right person, right place, right time. Christ will grow his church. When I went to the seminary, Dr. Dean Wenthe always shared with us students, speak the gospel that Jesus died for your sins with clarity, charity, and integrity. I'll say it again. Speak the gospel, Jesus died for your sins, with clarity, charity, and integrity. Christ will always grow his church. Their story is our story. The church is always going to grow. I'm optimistic here. I am. Why? Not because I'm special, but that's what Christ promises. That's how God works. Now, at my previous church, I confirmed 10 adults to every single junior adult, I mean, junior uh, confirmand. For every child that was confirmed, 10 adults were confirmed. And by the way, those, those statistics are bearing out across the synod. I baptized more teenagers and more adults than I did who? Babies. The church will grow. It just might not look like how we think it would look. It would be like people that we, that sometimes don't look like us. But God brings them here. The church will grow, but it won't look how we think it will look. It will be very different, but the church continues to grow. Think about that. More adults and teenagers than babies and children coming into the church. My predecessor at my previous congregation always shared with me, and I'll share this with you. Don't chase away your visitors. God's sending them here for a reason. Don't chase them away. Say hi to them. Go out to lunch with them. Send them to life with God, with Pastor Luring and I. Don't chase away your visitors. Who sent them? God. Say hi. Welcome them. Be honest. The church will always grow. It might not look like how you and I think it will look, but the church does grow. Pastor Loring has two funerals. The church grows. What do you mean by that? Well, he simply sent those people to the church in heaven. They're in a church triumphant. And the last day of school, he baptized six children. The church always what? Grows. We might have seen the pews, but it grows according to God's good and gracious will and his love. The church grows. God arranges the meeting. Be willing to simply share the truth. Jesus died for me. Jesus died for you. I'm a sinner and so are you. Here's the gift of heaven. The church will always grow. So, the church will always grow. We don't need to grow. We get to help the church grow. Charity, clarity, integrity. God use us. God arranges the meeting. We simply speak the truth in love. So how about this for a closing thought? Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And all God's people say...